We're back at it again with Life in a Wine Bottle. I'm your host, Nelson Pizarro, and this is part two of Topic Winemaker with Aaron Walker from Pally Wine Company. Aaron will share with us some secrets, blends that he likes to do, and tips for new and or experienced winemakers. Enjoy the show. Quick shout out to our sponsors, Castelli Family Vineyards, where you can taste the love of the wine. Follow and like them on Instagram at Costelli FV. Bespoke Maestro, they make elegant dresses and suits benefiting any occasion. Follow them on Instagram at Bespoke Maestro. San Diego Wine Tasting App, easy to use, free to download, fun to find a new winery. Download the app today on Apple Store and Google Play. Search for San Diego Wine Tasting App. And also, Pally Wine Company. Make sure you visit Pally Wine Company. They have five different tasting rooms. They're located in Santa Barbara, Lompoc, San Diego, Little Italy, Anaheim, and Los Angeles. Follow and like them on Instagram and Facebook at Pally, P-A-L-I, Wine Co. C-O. And you can also follow Aaron Walker Winemaker on his personal account at Wine is good for you. That's actually a great username, Aaron. All right, let's move on to the show. Um, but then we do, you know, a lot of blending with other grapes. Um, so, you know, we do a Bordeaux style blend, which has, you know, Cabernet and Merlot and some Cab Franc and Petit Bordeaux in it. And then we do a, a Rhone style, a red and a white blend. Um, and those are all purchased grapes. So we're we're using you know, up to five different grapes, and sometimes they're all coming from one vineyard. Sometimes they come from multiple vineyards, but um, to create our blends each year, mm-hmm. and then we bottle those same wines that we put into the blends. We bottle those same wines. We'll pick out three or four barrels and bottle it as a straight varietal. You know, so we'll have a just a Syrah bottling, a, a Grenache bottling, a Mourvedre bottling, but then we'll also create a blend that's all three of us. So. Mm-hmm. And the reason for the blends, what would you say the reasons that you like doing blends? Is it because you messed up somewhere and you're like, hey, or something, or is it like, man, these are good wines. Let's try this and then see what happens. Yeah. Well, so a lot of our blends are very traditional blends. Um, like I said, a ro- you know, a red Rhone is, Bordeaux, is, you know, GSMs are very well known, you know, Grenache, Syrah, Mervedras. Those are, and, and those are very popular for a reason because those grapes blend very well together. They work together. They, they create harmony together. And so, um, that's why you often see Bordeaux blends as you know being some of the most popular wines. Um, so we, with our blends, we stick to the pr- fairly traditional blends when it comes to what grapes we're blending together. Um, but they, there's a reason they work so well together is because they make these these complete wines that people very, really seem to enjoy and they sell really well. So we we tend to get a little little um, create more creative with with our wines that are blended, um, even with the packaging, the artwork, the label. Um, we have fun with it. it. Exactly. It gives us a chance to come up with a creative name for the wine or some creative artwork on the label, um, rather than just saying, this is our Cabernet Sauvignon. You know? right. So we like our, our cab blend, our Bordeaux blend, we call swell um, because tower 15, you know, is yeah. the lifeguard tower. And then um, just to give you know, yeah. Pally, the Pali background is Pacific Palisades is the town that Pali's named after. And that's up near Malibu in Santa Monica. It's where the owners live. So. Okay. So we have, you know, themes that run with our, with our packaging based on that. But, 
Oh, nice. But the but blends then, are. But know, then you get into the challenge with bottling. Yeah. But then you got to create a new label. You got to well, figure out the whole process and how many <laughs> bottles. And I think people forget that. You know, when that's what we're just doing right now, you know, just writing it down like, how the heck do people do this? You yeah. know, it really gets overwhelming. I start planning bottling for the entire year in December of the previous year. So like this December, <laughs> I'll start mapping out my entire 2021 oh my bottling God. plans for the yeah. whole for the whole season up until about this time August and wow. And you need to do that when you have so many different wines like we do. We bottle over 40 different wines each year and oh, that's yeah, that's... all the packaging and just that's the night bottling is the worst part of winemaking for especially at the you know big production levels like i feel like we're at it's but i i'm sure it's the same even at at your level of production it's you know it's it's you it's got to be done but it's a headache and it's stressful and it's not fun whereas harvest is stressful but it's more exciting and fun you know you see the now you're like i hope it doesn't mess up because that's you can mess up a lot that's your whole that's your whole three years i don't know how long so uh, what about the the wine style are you keeping in barrel a lot stainless steel how long what would you say it depends on the wine. It's we do a little bit of everything. So we have our 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 most popular wines retail for about twenty five dollars, and that's um, our Pinot Noirs um, that that we will bottle after about ten months of barrel age. So those don't see a lot of time in barrel um, because we want those wines to be drinkable, um, approachable at a young age. We we release those wines fairly quickly. Um, our more expensive reds, Pinot Noirs, Cabernets, um, we'll age those wines usually about 18 to 20 months in barrel before bottling. And then we'll even hang on to those wines in bottle for at least six months before releasing the wine uh, for sale. Um, so it really depends on the wine as far as what kind of aging. We do use stainless steel for whites, um, not exclusively, but um, I actually like my 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 preferred barrels is using neutral oak barrels for white wines so um, barrels that have been used over and over that aren't giving off oak flavor um, but it's it allows the wine to age differently than a stainless steel barrel and so so you don't get the oak flavor but you get a wine that that's a little bit more rounded and has a little bit more round mouthfeel versus uh, stainless steel aging which traps it a little bit more and it doesn't breathe and so um, so when it comes to white wines evaporation uh, of the barrels Right, and so you get a little bit of oxygen into the wine, but that helps the wine age. So it's, uh, so yeah, it, we we're even playing around with different styles of wine this year. Last year we started making wine doing carbonic maceration, which is a completely different way of making wine compared to what I'm used to doing. Um, what made you go that route? No, but you're seeing more, more and more these days, especially small producers, and you know we're getting in, and it also goes in line with with natural winemaking where we're not adding SO2 or yeast or anything else to the wines. And so we're starting to get into doing some of that as well. Um, so we're, we're, we're constantly experimenting and playing around and we're not always making the exact same wine every year. There's, you know, there's, there's always new trials that, that, that are going on each year, whether it's with different types of fermentation or if it's different types of aging vessels, like you're saying, stay, we're looking at concrete, buying some concrete tanks and some of those eggs that, yeah, that are popular these days. Yeah. So, see, see uh, how that goes. Have you done that yet? Or No, no, see, not yet. Likely. And then the storage after that, you know, you got to store it somewhere. Right? The, once it's bottled? Uh, no, the, oh, the, the egg. egg. The yeah, egg. exactly. It, it takes like a raindrop. 
Yeah, it's not a very um, efficient use of space, the, the egg. Yeah, you just get it there and you're like, what do you do now? Now it just sits there, but it looks cool. So. Yeah, no, it's a good uh, feature to talk to, but you got to keep it in the tasting room so people talk about and that's, it. Yeah, it, our winery is basically just a, a 10,000 square foot warehouse. It's not a show winery. It's a production winery, you know? So something like that, like you're saying, it doesn't make sense for us because every square foot in our building is very valuable space, yeah. you know? We've got 800 barrels in the winery at one at any given time, and you know, it's, 800. Yeah. So people listening to us, we have right now we have 80, 85 <laughs> at our winery, and out of the 85, 30 of them get bottled every year. Yeah, I wish I wish I only had 80 to deal with. <laughs> that's the dream for me. Oh, uh, that's that's pretty nuts. Um, what? I mean, is there? Would you say winemakers have secrets? Um, some, yeah, everybody's got, I don't know if some would call them secrets, but we preface this. Definitely. Oh yeah. I mean, you can, you know, uh, you talk to anyone, you, you know, you, you ask five different winemakers a question about a topic, you'll get five different answers and everybody's got Isn't their own the way of doing it. Thing? It is really mind blowing. You know? It is. And that's what I learned very quickly. My first harvest, the building I worked in was it housed, it was, um, Kind of like a custom crush place where it housed about 10 different small producers all under one roof in a warehouse and it was a great place for me to learn very quickly and i learned that what we're talking about that everybody has their own way of doing any one task everybody's got their own preference on a way to do something and you know as you go through and learn more and more you you pick and choose what works for you and and you start to develop your own style of, of, of winemaking and um, and that's definitely part of it is, is deciding what, you know, what you agree with and maybe what you don't want to do. And, and, but there's always, uh, you know, you can always learn something from another winemaker because there's all, you know, there's lots, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as they say. I mean, there, it's, there's so many different ways to go about doing things and, and no one's right. No one's wrong. It's just whatever works best for you as a winemaker. Yeah. And, and the sales. <laughs> right and well yeah, at the end of the day you gotta sell the wine okay, yeah obviously we're doing something right let's keep it going and not kind of go too crazy and maybe do 10 percent a new style and then the 90 percent we keep on doing it so we can keep on going you know same objective exactly um, any tips for winemakers from starting out winemakers to experienced winemakers well uh well starting I mean, winemakers what would you say for starting winemakers well first thing is um have a lot of money if you're starting it with your own money and have a lot and have even more patience probably you know yeah. you, um the other thing is in our world wine, winery time winery time always expect things to take twice as long as they will um that's something i learned and my wife had to learn the hard way too you know during harvest like, like oh i think i'll be done in about two hours I'll, I'll be i'll be home then you know four hours later i'm i'm sending her a text all right i think i'm leaving now uh, you know and, always something always something so always plan for the worst expect the best but you know always be prepared for things to not go and that's how harvest is every year you know we we, we get ourselves set up as best as we can prepared as best as we can um but things never go exactly according to plan and you have to be willing to be flexible and go with the flow and go with the, the punches because you know a lot of time mother nature you, you realize mother nature is in control and you can only do so much and and if you get upset and stressed out about things that you can't control, you're going to have a short This isn't for you. Career. Yeah, exactly. for, Is it pretty hot right now up there? It's crazy hot. I was, our vineyard, in fact, we're dealing with, um, we had a lot of heat damage on some of our Pinot Noir grapes um, this last week. And 
so we're assessing those this week and we're expecting more heat tomorrow um yeah these next two weeks 100 then it goes down or for us 100 and it goes down to 95 and then it goes yeah. up again they said death valley had it broke the record for the world 130 130 crazy which i don't i don't know what that means I don't, <laughs> like my father-in-law said he's like well only old people talk about weather so I said, I guess yeah. I'm old, but farmers, so we should and farmers know. Farmers, yeah. yeah. We should know about how hot it's going to get if we need to water it more, or you know, decide from there. Yeah, I've 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 learned more about the weather than I ever thought I would, just because it's become so important. I'm checking the weather every day, and because yeah. it does, it relates a lot, and it affects you know just my plans and my job. So it's does it rain guess, a lot during the October time? Ideally, no, and usually not. Um, okay. That's the beauty of the Central Coast where we are is that um, a lot of the storms, the early storms, early season storms, don't make it this far south. So, you know, if Sonoma and Napa might get some storms, some rain in, in October, and, and a lot, oftentimes those storms won't make it that far south that we, you know, so we kind of get spared in yeah. a lot of cases. Um, Occasionally we'll get a little bit of rain during during the year, but that's usually not a big issue. What's the bigger issue are heat waves like this. You know, yeah. that's that's more of the concern. Uh, yeah. So and it's so weird. We had such a cool summer, you know, all, all of July was and June was so all the marine layer and it was it never got warm up until two weeks ago and and then now it's the extreme opposite. It's too warm. It's you yeah, know, yeah, this it's crazy hot, heat. Really fast and light storms. Yeah, yeah, the Big Bear. There was a two-hour storm there for like two inches over there, and a that lightning much? Wow. strike, a lightning struck, and caught the forest on fire. So from our area, we have the airport, and we can see the planes flying to go yeah. to take care of that that problem over there. Yeah, we deal with uh, fire all too often up in this area, and I know yeah. right now there's a big one in Napa Valley. Um, oh, there is. Oh, yeah. Oh, bummer. Yeah, it's part of the new, you know, the reality of. Being in California, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the, yeah. There's a fire-prone area. It's it's not fun. Um, how much are you in the tasting room? Are you pretty big in there? What's uh... this year? Less than normal um, yeah. because of the pandemic. I've been staying home, but usually, starting in January or February, I start spending a lot of time in our tasting rooms. You know, and having five of them, I, I've got to try and make it around to all of them at least once every two months, you know, so I usually, usually spend three or four days each month visiting two of our tasting rooms or three of the tasting rooms, you know, and then rotate. Um, so um, in previous years, before we started opening a lot of tasting rooms, I would spend this time of year traveling around the country, working with our distributors um, more on the wholesale side of things and trying to help with help with the, you know, the sales of the wines through our distribution channels. Um, once we started opening the tasting rooms, the whole idea is that we're selling more of our wine directly to our customers through our tasting rooms and less through our distributors because it's a better margin. We make more money that way. You know, it's mm -hmm. um, more profitable and just a better business. So, um, so I've really shifted, you know, where I spend my sales time um, over the last few years into spending a lot of time in the tasting room and not nearly as much time traveling with our for district for distribution purposes so okay and uh, then what are you in restaurants as well yeah yeah we are and that's where the distributors come in but you know they're they're the not ones so that much like supermarkets or not like as much coffee. not too much in supermarkets although we do we have had a very good relationship with costco over the years and that's done amazing for us even though 
we make very little money off those sales. Um, it's a great way to promote the brand. You know, branding. Everybody that we're trying to sell our wine to shops at Costco. A lot of them. So, yeah. Um, so that's been a great way millions, to move. Millions of wines. Yeah, they're the largest retailer of wines in the United States. Yeah. They buy more wine than any other retail. Is that crazy? In, well, they're, in I mean, they're probably the biggest besides Walmart and Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So, kind of the kings of everything. But, you know, from a winemaking or an ownership standpoint, we would much rather sell all of our wines directly to our customers without the middleman, without the distributor, because yeah. it's yeah. a much better business model for us, profitable, more profitable model. And stuff. Right. Especially at that size that you have. Yeah. And that's the struggle of the size. So is that the goal? What, like the goal for you as a winemaker and for the company is that the obviously everybody wants to make more money, but is there anything specific for Pally and Tower that you have for goals? Well, you know, so that comes obviously from our owner. Um, it's, it's his leadership and his vision that, you know, we've, we've continued to grow and actually even change direction over the years. And, you know, we're talking almost 15 years since I've been on board. Um, and when I started with the company, the, there was only five wines being made and less than 3,000 cases a year total from all five wines. Each of those wines all cost like 50 or 60 bucks a bottle. And that was it. There was no variety. It was all Pinot Noir, single vineyards, $50 a bottle. That's all we offered, you know? And so, so our goals have changed over the years, you know, for a number of years, we were trying to get up to a, a real big production, like 50,000 cases or more. And so we started ramping up and we got close to that and then decided to back off um, after about four or five years of going in that direction. Then, you know, things changed. And so we changed direction and um, and then we've done that again with these tasting rooms. And so now the, the goal is to, to build our brand through these tasting rooms and to have more of these tasting room outlets. So um, going into this year, the, the goal was to double to 10 tasting room locations over the next two years. Obviously this is, this one, now that's been put on hold, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> just that's like still wine. part of the long-term plan. Yeah, the goal, the goals are based on winemaking and the winemaking changes always. So <laughs> it's always changing. Right. Know? So it's, yeah, it's never the same year to year, but um, yeah, we're, we're playing, we're all, we've always been willing to be flexible with our business model and, and even the wines that we make. Um, just to stay relevant and to be able to stay, you know, in business. And so having these tasting rooms is a great way for us to, to, to try out these smaller, these more experimental wines and to see what people like and what doesn't work. And, you know, we can do small batches of like some kind of experimental winemaking, send it to our tasting room in, in kegs and pour it on tap. And if people think it's great, then we end up bottling it maybe the next year or something, or if people, if it doesn't sell with then we know people don't like it, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, so you don't have to invest so much money and time into that. Into the bottling. And then all of a sudden you got to sell them for $5 and people still don't buy them. Right, right. (laughs) Okay. Um, Do you have a collection, a wine collection? Not like I used to. When I worked in restaurants back in the days, I I had access to to wines from all over the world and I got them at at great prices. I'd just pay cost um, through the restaurant usually. And so, so I would have usually quite a few nice California cabs were, you know, I was big into those. I was big into, to Rhone wines and Bordeaux's, um, reds. Um, once I moved out, you know, once I moved up to this area and got into winemaking, then, um, after a few years, I drank through a lot of that collection. And now I'm down to just a few bottles from that original collection. But, um, 
one that I just opened recently um, that I've been hanging on to for many years was from a producer in this area called Sinequanon, um, who makes very expensive wines. And it's not the kind of wine I don't, I don't go out and buy $150 bottles of wine. It's just not in my wheelhouse. I'm, you know, I'm a family man and I can't justify spending that these days. Like I did when I was a bachelor waiting tables, but, um, but we opened this 2006 Syrah from Sinequanon that I'd been hanging on to for quite a while. And, um, it was at my dad's memorial after he passed and the name of the wine was called Papa, which is what we called my dad. So it seemed like the perfect time to open that bottle. Right. You know, so, um, but these days my collection is more just, um, you know, wines that I've been producing at Pali over the years and I want to hang on to the special wines each year. And so I put a few away and, um, and special bottles from producers in this area. Um, one of those being from Hitching Post Wines, which is my father-in-law. Um, so my wife's dad is, he's half owner and winemaker at Hitching, for Hitching Post Wines and has been for 40 years. So. Where are they at? What area? So they, they're based in, um, well, they're here in the Central Coast. The, so it's famous for the restaurant, the Hitching Post restaurant is in Buellton, which was in the movie Sideways. And so that's oh, really? where they, they really became popular once that movie came out. Oh, that's cool. Um, but they'd always maybe had a. Maybe I got to do a podcast with him too. Absolutely, you should. He's he's a character too. He's a good guy to talk to. Yeah, I'll hook you up with him. You definitely okay. want to. Do. In yeah, fact, I'm doing a podcast with him um, or a live stream event on Facebook uh, in October with him um, okay. and his partner Frank um, because they've been so instrumental in my career too. You know, yeah, um, to get back. You know, to really thank yeah. them. Really, you know. Well, that yeah, they deserve all a lot of a lot of credit and props. But yeah. um, look at this. Ten yeah. years later, or twenty years later, look where you're at. I know it's crazy. I can't believe I've been doing it this long. You know, it's, <laughs> the time's flown by. It's crazy, but I know. It's, it's great. I love it. It's you know, it's it's work that I love, and that's. It took me till I was about thirty years old to to figure out what I was really passionate about. And like I said earlier, I changed my major three times when I was in college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, and I was just there to because I that's what I was expected to do after high school. You go to college and you get your degree, right? But. Yeah. It just, you know, I waited tables. I got into the restaurant world and I, I really enjoyed it, actually. It wasn't, you know, it was just a pay, it was just a way to pay the bills. But, but there was, I connected with that, with that, you know. Just and it's a hard profession. Restaurant business is like, you're out yeah. at night. It's like a party scene. And yeah, it's not a, not something I wanted to do for my whole life. Live. Yeah. You, I mean, if you live so, that way, you're, you're not going to make it that far. Exactly. <laughs> it's a really tough life, you know. Sad. It was fun while it lasted, but yeah. Yeah, I can, I see that. And it's good money. If you get tips, that's where the money comes from. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You're really, yeah. If you're a good server, you'll make really good money. Right. Um, yeah. Well, so. perfect. Uh, let's give out, go ahead and give, do you have like a commercial? Do you, can you give us a little bit thing about Pally and just kind of, you know, yeah, well, I mean, you can, out with, with your Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whatever you want. And then that's how I promote it on the website. Um, I write it down and just make sure we get those, those things in there. Great. Yeah. Our website is pallywineco.com. Um, so P A L I wineco.com. Um, we have obviously a Facebook feed, um, which you can just look up Pally wine company on Facebook, uh, Instagram, same thing. It's going to be Pally wine at Pally wine co. Um, my personal Instagram is, um, at wine is good for you. That's my handle. At wine is um, good for you. Okay. I got to follow you. <laughs> um, i'm not super active on 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 social media but um but the pally you know we we of course we've got a social media person yeah. that, that that manages that stuff and posts there very frequently and 
And in fact, our tasting rooms have been doing a lot of daily live feeds because um, we have 50% off specials on bottles of wine at all of our tasting rooms and it changes every day. And so they, they've been using Instagram a lot to promote those sales. Um, okay, I just, I just followed. I don't know, I didn't follow. I think I followed it in the Life in a Wine Bottle. Oh, yeah. But not on the Castelli Family Vineyard. So I just followed it. Gotcha. Right it has good like, pictures <laughs> on it on Instagram. Um, so you got that social media, Hallie. You got the special, which is great because we're going to post this next week. And we'll do half and half. Um, and then we'll just do the, 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 the wine spit game that I have. Okay. Have you heard about that yet? Did you hear about that? Well, I, I think I caught the one you did with, with Catman, with Matt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's just five quick questions and as quick as you can and nothing challenging, just about wine. Sure. Ready? And okay. you cannot choose Pally and you can't choose Castelli Family Vineyard. <laughs> those two you can't choose. All right, all right, fair so enough. We know those are your favorite. Automatic and, answers, yes, right? Yes, you don't need it's to. It's a cop out. Tower. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> in tower, you can't. All right. All right, fair enough. Red or white? Sorry, say that again. What do you prefer, red or white? Uh, this Right now, white. Okay, white. It's too damn hot for red. A favorite varietal? Um, Syrah. Syrah, okay. No, Syrah. Syrah. Oh, Syrah, okay. Um, what one region you like to go to, where would it be? Oh, um, there's so many new wine regions. So Croatia was on my radar recently um, okay. because they've been making wine there for thousands of years and they make some great white wines too actually some very aromatic whites but and apparently they have beautiful beaches yes they do. i actually lived there for a little bit Not no way in montenegro and serbia oh yeah so i was there for some time yes would you, so I, would you suggest a visit as a place to yeah, go it's great i mean montenegro and croatia are really nice serbia because okay. they're, they're landlocked so, but Montenegro has an ocean, and then Croatia has an ocean, beautiful beach. Cool. And I, and somebody just told me that's where the Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch the show. Me either. Yeah. They're like a huge fanatic, and they they take you on tours through that too. Just like oh, of course. Yeah. But yeah, the wine. They say it's uh it's really a good place to to have a good time there. All right. Um, what was the last bottle you tasted? Um, let's see. Well, I think I'm looking at it. Uh, one of our um, one of our Pally Wine Company 2013 uh, Pinot Noirs from Shea Vineyard in Willamette Valley, Oregon. So that was a so wine we used wine to make. From Oregon. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's something we've we've phased out more recently. But um, from our early days on, we we always got grapes from Oregon, at least a little bit each year to make Pinot from. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. And the last one, your favorite winery. Favorite winery? Well, you know, I already mentioned Hitching Post, and I've got to give them my props. You okay. know, if it's not Castelli or, or Pali, of course. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those <laughs> ones don't count. We already know those are your favorite. But um, Hitching Post. Yeah, no, that's, they've been, you know, Hitching Post has been very instrumental in my career. Even before I got into winemaking, they were, you know, I was tasting a lot of the Pinots that they were putting out from this area, from Santa Rita Hills, and it was very um, formative in, you know, my early days of learning about wine. Uh, so, Okay. So huge impact on me. And then I, I would say one other one, um, Kunin Wines, K-U-N-I-N, um, a guy named Seth Kunin, who unfortunately passed away about, um, gosh, almost three years ago now. But he, he was a huge mentor for a lot of folks in this area, myself included, and also a good family friend. And he, um, his, his wife um, and daughter are continuing on the, the label Kunin Wines. And so okay. that would be another personal favorite of mine. 
Oh, nice, nice, sweet. Well, that was the end of the questions. What do you think about the podcast? You had a good time? I, yeah, this is great. We should do this again. Yeah, let's see what happens after harvest and, you know, see what your plans are for next year. Yeah. That'll be fun. Are you guys, are you guys done? I know you said you already picked, what did you say, V&A? Yeah, just a V&A. Okay, so that, you still have more. I don't know if you can see my hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looks like you've been... I'll be literally... I was showing the person next to me, hey, we don't want any of these, you know, because they're white, right? The grapes are white. Yeah. They're kind of greenish. Well, the ones that aren't ripe, they're just, you know, regular grapes that taste nasty, right? So I cut it from the top and I said, we don't want any of these. And I stick my hand through the vines. Oh. A wasp stung me. A wasp. Oh. I mean, literally, we walked right in the vineyard and that's it. I said, we don't want any. Ow. Oh. I looked, and then my hand just swelled up. So I'm not. And that was yesterday morning. Oh man, it's not, it's not doing too good right now. No, that looks pretty swollen. Yeah, look Holy at that. Cow. And I guess <laughs> here, right here, and between my arm, my finger. Oh man, people that aren't watching, my hand is, I think, two times bigger. It so looks you, about that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't see any veins on one hand, but you can see the veins on the other <laughs> hand. So people can say, and if I had a ring on, I wouldn't be able to put on the ring on my finger because no, the water, I can't take it off, and I would have been a lot of pressure. But um, yeah, that's so. Just to let people know about harvesting, it's dangerous. <laughs> you never know, yeah. Yeah, that there's a lot of animals that can hurt you. You know. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're gonna, job. yeah, and besides just cutting your finger off with clippers, <laughs> you know. Um, I really appreciate all the time, your information. I know I had um, if I had any questions, I always can contact you, um, especially in the business side, because you know you guys have been living it, um, just creating so much wine and you're so revel relevant within the area. And I know a lot of people go down to downtown, obviously in my area. I know people know you from that area. So great, great job. So keep Thank you very much. work. I mean, that's, it's, I mean, wine, there's millions of labels and the goal is what, what makes them want to pick your wine, you know, right. the label that they never tasted. Why are we going to pick one label? So right. give some customers and have them try out when they're downtown. And now they're kind of opening up things around this area. So, uh, and you do have an outdoor space. Right. More, more now than we used to. Yeah. I think the roof. There's a roof, but we also built an outdoor seating area in the back, which used okay, to be a parking I lot. Yeah. I haven't been down there that long or yeah, I haven't been down there probably for a year. Um, but yeah, so guys, if you can support, this is the, the best way. If you, if anybody says, how can I help you? This is the best way, you know, come to wineries. They have, you got a special, like that's a crazy special that you're going right now and you have some amazing wines. So um, make sure you promote that. I mean, go out there and get and support. Yeah. Them. All right. Come visit uh, us. And yeah, not just in San Diego, but in Santa Barbara or LA or Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. When you're going on a road trip, that's you know, right. make, it, make it easy. If you want to go up to Napa and you're driving or San Pasquale, or I mean, um, Santa Luis Obispo or, um, easy stops to go there through, you know, you know? Exactly. So, anything else? I don't know what it'd be. I'm just trying to get ready for harvest here. So we're, <laughs> we're, uh, yeah, we're gearing up for that. I'm just looking forward to getting harvest started and then be even happier when it's all over. But uh, yeah, I know it's fun <laughs> the first time. And then by the end, you're really exhausted. You're just tired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a, it's a good kind of tired though. You know, it's yeah. So be good. That was the end of part two. Topic, winemaker, and thank you very much, Aaron Walker from Pally Wine Company. I had a great time, learned a lot, 
And at the end of the day, this is what it's all about. Just learning from experienced winemakers, um, wine companies that have been doing it and are growing and able to get around different challenges that they get every single day. So thank you very much. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and on Facebook at Pally Wine Co. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, iTunes, Google Play, and follow us and like us on Facebook or Instagram at Life in a Wine Bottle. Thank you very much for listening. I'm your host, Nelson Pizarro. This is Life in a Wine Bottle, and I'll see you guys next time.